Welcome to the Marxist Think Tank podcast, an attempt to look at the world from a class-conscious perspective and to build. Hundreds of thousands of internal communications expose how operatives secretly take control of Britain's Labour Party, the inside story of how Keir Starmer, who could be Britain's Prime Minister, leads a lawless party. So these are not my words. These are the words of Al Jazeera, from Al Jazeera, their recent Labour leak uh, Labour files leak. Apparently, according to them, their words, the largest leak in political history. So that's what me and Chris are going to be talking about tonight. So it's a pretty, um, pretty big statement, right, Chris? The largest leak, the largest political leak in British history. Um, where do you want to start? What are your thoughts? Well, exactly. It's an absolutely damning headline. Uh, really, what I think we need to look at is who Jeremy Corbyn really was. Why? What he was saying was such a threat to these people. And who are these people who seemingly conspired throughout the upper echelons of the Parliamentary Labour Party to take down their leader? And what are the motives of these people for doing so? Because uh, I think the answer is going to shock quite a few people who haven't actually really looked into this issue before, who have only seen the media's portrayal of Jeremy Corbyn and the careful narrative that they cut out in order to guide public opinion into getting rid of an elected leader of the Labour Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing I'd like to add to this before we, we get into the, the meat of what they said is that um, this is not a conspiracy theory that uh, this leak has happened. Um, yeah. Al Jazeera has published it. But also people that uh, have been associated or took part in the, the leak, um, one of them is a guy called uh, Peter Osborne, and, um, you know, he's the former uh, chief political correspondent for the Daily Telegraph of all newspapers. So, uh, I mean, he's, this guy's won lots of awards. You're not talking about fringe people with tinfoil hats on the sidelines. Yeah. You're talking about Al Jazeera, which is a, you know, a, a very well-funded um, organization with lots of resources. Um, and someone who is by no means left-wing. You're talking about the Daily Telegraph. This is hardly exactly. a left-wing character. Exactly. So, so, um, and also uh, this, you know, the people that took part. One of them is called Andrew uh, Feinstein, a uh, you know ANC uh, anti-apartheid activist. Uh, there's loads of people that took part in this pro in this um, this leak and this project by Al Jazeera. So, uh, what's very interesting is that it actually hasn't been a bombshell in the UK. Um, Sky News, The Sun, all sorts of newspapers haven't even reported on it. Um, it's obviously been out for a couple of days now. I know that Navarra Media have published it and made some videos about it, but it is a bombshell, but it hasn't um, gone off in the UK yet, uh, apparently. So, um, yeah, just wanted to add that before we before we get into the meat of it. But, um, yeah, Chris, so where do you want to start? So, obviously, for... Anyone outside of Britain is going to know who Jeremy Corbyn is and what he initially stood for. Uh, it was obviously a big movement throughout the majority of our lives in the Stop the War movements, uh, the, the campaigns to remove ourselves from NATO. Back in the day, he was a term that I don't think many people remember anymore, but it was a Eurosceptic. That's what mm. they were called before Brexiteers. That was the original name for them. 
I quite like it, to be fair. I much prefer it to the term Brexiteer, which I never really liked, but I don't know about you. Um, but obviously, these were a lot of the beliefs that got him elected and within to be a leader, leader of the Labour Party. I think when he ran and was allowed to win, he was he was always considered as an underdog back in 2015. Nobody in the parliamentary Labour Party expected him to win. He was almost the token uh, leftist that you put on the ballot so nobody can accuse you of not being a big ten. Uh, so yeah. when he won, it took him a surprise. Uh, he went on a huge campaign quite quickly, in my opinion, of reassuring the establishment um, that is not a threat to business, which is always a scary thing to hear when your newly elected socialist leader goes on a campaign of reassuring big business. <laughs> and obviously then we had the Brexit referendum where he played the field right until the very end. Nobody knew where he stood on it, which for people who watched him beforehand, like me and I'm sure yourself, it really frustrated me watching a candidate I know can be so impassionately anti-EU look like a, mm. a confused child you need to give an answer. Why aren't you speaking now how you used to speak, how with a passion against that subject? But he was, he right. knew the limitations to his role, which is something that I think this is going to paint. This is show over the, this, the course of this episode and hopefully future episodes on this subject of the controlled left. We're going to be able to show how yeah. honest socialists, when they get into positions of power of that party they quickly realize that there's limits that that party can achieve and i think that's the job of real socialists to sort of evidence and what happens to jeremy corbyn and similar to what happened to Bernie sanders in the us really do paint that right um so i think let's let's have a look at some of the ways have you have you got anything that you'd like, like to yes, show I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to show yeah so if for people who aren't aware maybe perhaps americans or someone elsewhere in the world um, the kind of energy. So um, you talked about the movement that um, you know Corbyn um, Corbyn generated when yeah. he came. Um, you know when he started uh, talking and started running for leadership. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to run for leadership. It was quite a, a back and forth as to they put his name on the ballot, and then it was a surprise that he won and all sorts. But he really did um, invigorate some sort of um, optimism. Uh, yeah. In the British uh, political scene. So I'll just play this quick one here from obviously from this uh, documentary that Al Jazeera has made. So just to see what kind of stuff, what it looked like, what it sounded like. We don't quit. We continue to fight until we see the movement that we need to see. Build bridges, not walls. In 2015, Labour Party members across Britain elect a new leader. He has a radical vision that challenges Britain's establishment. The wonderful campaign that I was involved with, that I was so proud to lead, brought a lot of people back into politics because they believed there was something on offer for them. Membership of the Labour Party doubles. The files tell the story of... So, yeah, there we've got... Um... The famous song, uh, the Jeremy Corbyn song. Oh, oh Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn. Corbyn. <laughs> so, yeah, he really did. I mean, back then, invigorate this um, energy, uh, regardless of, we'll obviously get into what the Labour Party actually is and 
if you look at the history, it doesn't actually, we shouldn't be that surprised. But at least in that moment, um, a lot of young people, millennials, whatever you want to call them, really thought, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to change. We've got an alternative, a man talking about nationalization, a man talking about justice and, and uh, looking out for the many, not yeah. for the few and all the stuff. Um, all these ideas that they keep trying to tell us are dead and that there's no appetite for in the public mind. Right. And they keep getting proved right. wrong over and over again. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, um, uh, I mean, the first thing, I think you, you've shared some stuff here, Chris, with where we're going to go with this. So let, let's go for your first uh, link here, um, which is from Rika Bird's Disciplinary, disciplinary if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, so this is... So in this, yeah, go ahead. So, so yes, this is part of the Algeria um, leaks. Uh, I just thought this was a, a quick fire, great example of the... It references back to the Panorama documentary that they did about Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party a couple of years ago when he was still in power of part of the smear campaign, is he anti-Semitic? And so this is a video yes. that they showed in the documentary that as proof that his followers were portraying anti-Semitism um, on tape, allegedly. But then when the tape mm -hmm. actually came out, it sort of shows the complete opposite. So let's just pull that first one up if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. We play that. A description of Marks and Bird's disciplinary interview features in the documentary. What can you do with 60 seconds? At Vulture, you can deploy a cloud server. The interview is conducted by Ben Westerman, a party official who is Jewish. Ben Westerman received dozens of complaints. While interviewing one member, he was confronted with the very anti-Semitism he'd been investigating. And we finished the interview. The person got up to leave the room and then turned back to me and said, where are you from? And I said, what do you mean, where am I from? And she said, I asked you, where are you from? And I said, I'm not prepared to discuss this. And they said, are you from Israel? Right, so that's, that's obviously what he said to the BBC uh, back in 2018. Uh, a kind of big if true moment. So let's see the second one and see what was actually said because luckily she recorded it and he's an idiot for right. not realizing right. she was recording it. <laughs> okay, get this up. So if you're going to lie, first rule is don't do it on camera. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, one second, get that up for you. very long and I've certainly never been to anything like this informal interview before um, and so I'm just curious about um, like what branch are you in? I don't think that's relevant. Okay. So that's very different. That's <laughs> a very different question. Yeah. yeah. Right. right, right. Well just to give context so if someone doesn't know this was the the real heart of the stuff that undermined Corbyn. So Corbyn had all this optimism, had all these people supporting him, and then had the media as well as enemies within the party um, bringing up this anti-Semitism claim that he was anti-Semitic and he was allowing anti-Semitism to ferment within the party. Um, and this was one of those claims, uh, This yeah. the stuff that you just heard from this guy. He said that he was asked, are you from Israel? 
and he was never asked that. He just lied, as you just heard. Um, they have a recording, like you said, Chris. Yeah, don't, if you're going to lie, don't don't record it. Don't don't be recorded doing it. Um, yeah. So so this is the one of the first sort of I don't know uh, blows that this 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 thing reveals is is the extent of of some of the lying that was related to this. Um, yeah, pretty condemning stuff. And again, very stupid to to lie. Yeah. Um, like that. And um, what I find interesting, so obviously the BB, um, the Labour Party, the Parliamentary Labour Party, which for people who don't realise is a very different beast to the Labour Party. The Labour Party is generally quite progressive. These are the members who aren't in office. The actual Parliamentary Labour Party is very it is the establishment is the epitome of the establishment and its job is to control its members this is that that phrasing of the controlled left of the labor what would marx would have called the labor aristocracy the people whose jobs it is to gather the socialists but never let them enact socialist principles as somebody who called the labor party isn't a socialist party it's a party of socialists in it and i think a lot of this portrays well, that, that accusation, really. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got another link here for Russian hat. I don't know if you want to go through all these first. or yeah, right, so what I want to sort of just, just point out that in contrary to this highly organized attack by the Parliamentary Labour Party and the sections of the sort of established trusted media, there was the stupid side of it all as well. So first off here, so let's have to show you one of the stupider accusations just made to just sort of chip away at the public's belief of Corbyn. Uh, this one here. One second, here's it. Uh... I've had to find this one on Twitter because the Telegraph seems to have removed the original article. Just I was due to... say, I try to find your link there. Uh... The one, the BBC link does not seem to be opening for me. I don't know why. Uh, the one below, the uh, Twitter one. Okay, the Twitter one. Yeah, we'll go for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yes. I mean, so I guess the, the point here is that as the Al Jazeera leaks show and also as we are going to show you now, the media very much jumped in on the bandwagon of demonizing Corbyn for whatever reason. Yes. Um, Anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that the Labour leaks file from Al Jazeera does show is that the media were very happy to um, publish and distribute and uh, broadcast all yeah. sorts of stuff about COVID. Okay, so here we go. So I've got your thing open up now. Uh, so, so what is this, Chris? Just, just give us a background here. So this was uh, originally an article written by the Telegraph. Yeah. About absolutely nothing about the fact Jeremy Corbyn's taking a bike, uh, a car rather than a bike, but it's the wording of his bike. So let's scroll down a bit. So obviously I've had to pull it off Twitter because the Telegraph is- That's fine, that's fine. So, yeah, I'll, I'll read it for, for people that are listening. Yeah. Okay, so this is a tweet of what the Times wrote at the time. So um, the Times wrote an article here. It says, the new, the new Labour leader treated himself to a black cab at his home yesterday, abandoning his, abandoning the Chairman Mao style bicycle his neighbors always see him riding, etc., etc., etc. The point is, um, a chairman mile style bicycle, also known as a bicycle. Like, there's nothing yeah, a bicycle. About his bicycle, it's a normal bicycle. It's not like he's riding a, an old, you know, uh, 1970s Chinese style bicycle. It's 
it's just all bicycle. You know, <laughs> so, I can't yeah. even really think of any photos of Mao on a bike. I'm sure someone's going to point out there's loads, but I can't. Right. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know if it's that common to find a picture of Mao on a bike himself. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, right, I've right. got a. I thought it was quite in, uh, interesting just to sort of point out the lengths that will go to attack him for anything because this one actually directly involves myself and Rich. <laughs> okay, so we go for the, the army coup, yeah? The, no, the, sorry, wrong one. Daily Mail, the bottom one Daily highlighted. Mail, okay. So some more uh, news regarding Corbyn that is unfair and perhaps untrue. <laughs> Fuck, fake news, perhaps. Let's take a look. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, one second. Okay, I'll sort of read this one out to you. So this is this is from the Mail Online to the Daily Mail Online. And it says, uh, Corbyn accused of keeping controversial company after addressing May Day March featuring communists with banners of Stalin. Okay, so there, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a very familiar lot to me. Uh, yeah, so I believe of, there's me in the background, and I believe you're just off to the side, carrying. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can show you that you were not there to attend a Jeremy Corbyn rally. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. Corbyn had nothing to do with this. It was nowhere near no. this. <laughs> we were not there for him. Yes, yes. Um, okay. So, that's uh, yeah. So the Daily Mail obviously tried to then <laughs> to try and link uh, Corbyn as closely as possible to all sorts of things. Uh, Stalin, <laughs> uh, Zionism here, anti-Zionism, Hitler's in there. So uh, you've got Soviet dictator. You've got a lot of cool, cool buzzwords that um, yeah. attract attention. And generate lots of hate for um, poor old Corbyn here. Um, okay, yeah. And this, this last one here, which is for painter, just to add to the same painting, really, um, mm -hmm. from the BBC. Okay. So the BBC did a episode, as did many episodes on Corbyn. Uh, but what was really captivating about this particular episode was the backdrop they used. Uh, I don't know if you can imagine what type of backdrop you'd want to use if you want to try and smear a centre-left candidate as a Russian agent or a potential communist, but you yes. probably guessed what is exactly going to appear on the screen now. Oh, Chris, I can't get this link. I don't know why I won't open the specific one. Have you got a link to that? So obviously the point, while you get that one up, Chris, I guess the, the point we're making here is that there is no uh, surprise, or it's quite easy to find additional information which shows the lengths at which the media will and did go to demonizing Corbyn back then and still now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, there would be two surprises on that front from from the media in terms of uh, yeah demonizing Corbyn. Okay, we got. Let's try this one here. I share that's working. Oh gosh, okay. So we've got Corbyn wearing some sort of hat here. Okay. Oh man. Uh, so BBG, uh, BBC rejects complaints over Jeremy Corbyn's Russian hat. Okay, so the BBC says Newsite didn't alter the Labour leader's hat to make him look more Russian. Okay. We just put <laughs> so, pop around there and put him in front of the Kremlin. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is hilarious. So the BBC, which was 
heavily implicated and, and criticized in the labor leaks thing from Al Jazeera here is uh, rejecting that they tried to make him look more Russian. If you can't see the image and you're looking to, and you're listening to this, um, there's a picture of Corbyn wearing, it looks some sort of like a black sort of small. I think, it, I think it was just a, a Greek sailor's cap, but they've just blackened it. So it looks like, so it looks like Rosneft. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, it's actually, yeah. So they, they've totally blackened out the hat, but that's not the part that's the problem really, is it? I mean, they're having a no, debate on the, the, part of the Russian landscape. Right. So there's, uh, you know, St. Basil's Cathedral, uh, you know, the onion shaped building that you all know of when you yeah. think of Moscow. Um, that's there with a rays of red Soviet light coming out from Corbin and then the Kremlin itself on the, the other side. So, yes, they, yeah. they definitely didn't try and make him look more Russian. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They literally asked the designer to say, here's a picture of Corbin, make it look Soviety. Yes, that looks like it looks like that to me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no accident. There's no accident. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so it really, just to sort of show, like, these are little things. Like, none of these are the big bombshell that goes, "Oh my God, Corbyn's a, a communist." Or it, it's just when you're bombarded by these little tabloid-esque articles all day, and the meme of Corbyn anti-Semitism. So the fact that some people don't know what's true or not yeah like, if you live up north like in the uk the jewish community is such a, a tiny po population of the uk anyway especially when you go up north the majority of people in a small town would have probably never even seen um out and out sort of uh, traditional dressed jews out in the street like you would down south or in london or in manchester it just mm -hmm. doesn't really happen up here so for them and the fact that even they're sort of dragged into it and like is Jeremy Corbyn an anti-Semitism like they didn't really even realize that was still an issue in, in UK society at all up up here it was such yeah. a overblown sort of thing in in that in that respect <laughs> but of course it was, yeah. all, it was the media were doing it because of the, its connection to Zionism because of the pressure that they were getting from the Israeli embassy and these Israeli uh, lobby in general, which is something that we're, we're going to have a look at more at shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point, Chris, because, I mean, it was strange to have something which anti-Semitism in a country like the UK, where you have uh, a very large Muslim population, a large uh, black population, a large Asian population. So other forms yeah. of discrimination were certainly more talked about before this. So if you take the clock back 10 years ago, I don't know how many conversations about anti-Semitism there were. If you go maybe 20 no. years ago, it's probably even less. Before, um, you know, uh, yeah, before the, the, the 20th century, uh, late 20th century, anti-Semitism is probably not the, the most talked about um, and most common form of discrimination. Obviously, it is a very uh, form of discrimination. It's very important. Yeah, we should definitely fight it. Um, uh, but like you said, to have that on the paper every day uh, was, was certainly a bit more unusual than you go or sort of yeah something odd about it right um yeah so yeah but, but there's obviously a reason for that um as this leaks as this leak shows is that there was a relationship with the media the media is very happy to publish all of this stuff and you have uh the lobby you have obviously of course within the labor party the um uh, jewish uh there's two factions right so actually let's we're getting ahead of ourselves aren't we so <laughs> do you want to go through how this, uh, how the, the episodes are actually broadcasted, and then we can actually pack apart, take apart what 
what was said in each of them? Um, I've not really sort of kept notes, but I think you're much more sort of narrative than I am. I'm not very good at keeping these notes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, again, let's start with the top one then. So um, the crisis. So we're starting with uh, Al Jazeera, the first documentary, The Crisis. Each of these are yeah. about each of these is about an hour and a half long. Um, so the first one is where you see this conversation about um, what branch are you from? The video that you've already shown uh, where yeah. one of the labor activists, pro-Corbyn activists asks uh, an anti-Corbynist, anti-Corbynista, let's call them that, uh, <laughs> you know, which branch are you from? He then reports that she said, are you from Israel? Which he then says that's a form of anti-Semitism because she assumes that I work for uh, or I'm pro-Israel or I'm Israeli because I uh, am Jewish and I am against Corbyn. So this was the big thrust. So that was yeah. the, 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 the thrust of, of the whole anti-Corbyn thing. At the heart of it was trying to make him sound like an anti-Semite. And obviously there's a lot of ridiculous elements to that, uh, Chris, right? Because Corbyn, <laughs> someone who got arrested for protesting against apartheid uh, in South Africa in the 80s and was always been an anti-racist. That's why that was ridiculous, this idea, yeah. right? Uh, I think that's uh, a lot of what the Israeli lobby's main goal was to do, was to make the media and the average Joe not know the difference of hmm. Judaism and Zionism. Yes, and that's yes, been right, one right, of their right, driving right. goals for a long time. That's their strategy. And it worked to the point where most people don't know what Zionism is. Or even worse, think that Zionism as a political ideology came from the Jewish religion, which in itself is... is a factually incorrect basis. Um, I don't want to yeah. turn this into anything to do with theology, um, but obviously the, the Torah sort of is anti-state in that sort of regard, especially anti-Jewish state. Yeah, yeah. No, you, and, and even within uh, the Labour Party, there is uh, a huge, uh, there's a division in the Jewish community over the position and stance towards Israel. Um, so JVL, Jewish Voice for Labour, is the pro-Corbyn and anti yeah state of israel um uh, fact, faction basically yeah um so, so yeah so it's, it's definitely not a homogenous idea that amongst jewish people that israel uh, represents them and is their only home um, some would argue that actually is in itself an anti-semitic idea that jews only belong yeah. in israel um yeah i disagree something that i pointed out before that the two netanyahu who that was one of his main statements that he made that jews belong out of europe and i pointed out well that sounds very similar to what Hitler said, saying that Jews had no place in Europe. Like the Israeli government are now saying the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I think actually Macron um, was very angry with uh, Netanyahu a few years ago yeah. when there was uh, a, a massacre of Jewish, innocent Jewish people in, I think, Paris. Uh, yes. And it was a synagogue, right? And and Netanyahu said, oh, you know, you're safe with us, come home. And yeah. Macron said, no, uh, these people are welcome here. Jews can live in France, and Jews are welcome in France. And Jews, this is their home. You don't, you don't have a monopoly on, on, yeah. on Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, it's like poaching um, citizens. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And there's also something fundamentally wrong with that idea that that their home Completely, is there. Yeah. Uh, something that the right wing would would happily lap yeah. up. It's, um, the, it's equating religion with nationality. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. dangerous in itself. But obviously, that's what the Israeli lobby do. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what Corbyn was, I thought, always very careful to try and expose right until the point where he became leader, when he became weak on the issue. Uh, 
towards the end of his yeah. premiership, he actually apologised for calling either someone or something Zionist. And he apologised yes. for using that term. And when he apologised, I thought, well, you've just apologised for using the correct term. And now you've made it harder for everybody. Because right, right, we right, get to right. use it correctly. And they say, oh, you, you should, you're saying it, you're wrong to say that. Even Jeremy Cor Corbyn apologised for it. <laughs> yeah, it weakens yeah. the. I think it weakens the movement as a whole. Right. I just wanted to actually say, but now we're on this point of um, of the sort of right wing nature of Zionism. Um, yeah. In this documentary, they show you um, a very clear link uh, that a lot of the Zionists are happy to have. So in um, in this um, first episode, they uh, show. So I'm going to put it up now. Uh, yeah. The Jewish Voice for Labour and other activists who are anti-Corbyn and pro-Israel and are part of the Labour Party or associated with the Labour Party um, go to EDL rallies and uh, are, you know, seen going to rallies. So, sorry, an advert is going to play, so we have to break through that one second. Uh, yeah, let's take a look at this one. Laser của Dyson trên máy V15 giúp phát hiện bụi ẩn trên các bề mặt khác nhau. Jonathan Hoffman is a former vice chair of the Zionist Federation. He will play an important role in the campaign against Corbyn. With him is Damon Lenzner, another pro-Israel activist. Following this incident, both men are convicted of aggressive bullying behavior. The aim is to provoke, to heckle, and in Jonathan Hoffman's case, it's usually to disrupt. ISM, PSC, want to kill Jews like me. The I unit has discovered links between Hoffman and a far-right organization. Members of the Racist English Defense League, or EDL, attended a demonstration that Hoffman helped organize. He is photographed alongside Roberta Moore, the founder of the EDL's Jewish division. She will later express her admiration for Anders Breivik, the neo-Nazi who murdered 77 people in Norway. From around June 2010. It's such a bizarre time that we're living in, where the far right and the neo-Nazis are painting themselves as the protectors of the modern Jews. The fact that you'd see at these rallies, these right-wing flags and Saint, the St. Saint George's flag being used like that, like the way right-wing nationalists do, also holding an Israeli flag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, um, this is one of those things. And I, I mean, I don't want to get to tie this into Ukraine and Zelensky, but Zelensky is also a exactly. Jew. And he then claims, I can't possibly be a neo-Nazi and I can't possibly have fascist because of, I'm Jewish. That's it. Well, here you go. I mean, there's, there's um, the EDL, all right, uh, neo-Nazi organization, waving the uh, you know Israeli flag and protesting hand in hand with uh, Zionists. So yes. there, there is a, a strange, yeah, a strange time. It's a really strange time. But there it is. You can see it with your own eyes. There's no question uh, of the link between the far right and uh, extreme Zionists. They're happy to march and be taken, and have photos taken together. Um, yeah. There's some other stuff that they said. Um, uh, there's some some ridiculous. Uh, some of the <laughs> descriptions of, of of Muslims made by this woman, but actually, I'm not going to share it because it's just. It's just absolutely like you know, just terrible, like horrible things to say about about Muslims. But 
that's the woman who was marching with uh, Hoffman there. She, she's yeah. a complete racist, a complete Islamophobe. Uh, again, and this Hoffman character is happy to march with him. And this Hoffman guy plays a very important role within the Zionist lobby within um, within the Labour Party. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so that was the marriage convenience, yeah. isn't it? Because obviously, in the, in this uh, culture war that they propagate, Israel are the sort of militant uh, bullhorn for the civilized sort of West to use against the barbarous Islamic East. Um, obviously, issues like like Palestine, they've won the public court of opinion a long time ago. So they have. So the Israeli lobby have to appeal to these very small minority, but a very vocal minority of right wing extremists. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Not I just on the streets in the parliamentary Labour Party, as we're going to see as well shortly. Yeah, yeah, and also, uh, also just within the media, uh, that guy yeah. Hoffman is given um, a panel. He gets to speak on a very important uh, BBC talk show. Uh, yes. sits there. He's some sort of expert and not some sort of lunatic, which he actually, when you see him on the streets, he is a, a militant, like hardcore um, Zionist lunatic. Um, yeah. So the next thing with the, obviously, there's a lot of things that are covered in that first episode of the crisis. Um, so we've shown you the link between the EDL and uh, the Zionists that, that it was, that was shown there. Um, some other stuff that they showed was a WhatsApp uh, conversation between three senior Labour staff where they talk about uh, Jeremy Corbyn and how much they hate him basically behind his back. And this is a very important yeah. part to understand about the whole series is that along with the media and along with a different faction, um, the actual bureaucrats, the staff that yeah. uh, run the actual organization of the Labour Party. So I know you have the parliamentary Labour Party, like you said, but that's more of a political faction. When you're talking about sort of what would be civil servants, in, if it was a government, people that are permanently there, and you know, um, whether it's one uh, faction or another leading the party, you have some people that tend to just get given administrative positions and kind of keep going with yeah. um, whichever, you know, leader, uh, whichever leader, whichever camp is in power. Um, yeah, uh, sort of unswayed by the political aspirations of new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Party machinery. Yeah, yeah. party staff, party machinery. These people. It was these people sharing um, uh, texts, uh, WhatsApp messages, talking about how much they hate him, how crap he is, and all sorts. Of, yeah, and, and definitely conspiring against him. So, yeah. And also, just to add to this, um, Owen Jones, I'm not a massive fa fan of myself, but he yeah. also wrote a book called This Land, which uh, references and talks about a lot of what the Labour leak uh, also talks about, which is the machinery working against Corbyn. So the actual party yeah. machinery uh, conspiring against him. Um, so, if, you know, backed up by his book too. Hmm. To, just to talk about that word as well, the, the machinery and the sort of apparatus that they pulled out very quickly. This wasn't something that needed building to get rid of Corbyn. It was already there. And yeah, just to talk about, so in the 80s, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a huge scandal within the Labour Party of what they call Trotskyist entryism. Uh, so there was one of the big left-wing movements in the 80s was a Trotskyist group called uh, Militant Tendency. And the Labour establishment were very worried that the, this uh, group was taking over the Labour Party's ground roots movements. Uh, so they basically used this apparatus of these unelected bureaucrats to purge any leftist element from the party. And they have 
literally at some point copied and pasted entire texts of that processes to be used now against momentum members against to do the same thing to Corbyn, what they did to them. Mm -hmm. so it, was, it was already built apparatus that they knew how to use. It's just been because yeah. the 80s was such long ago when the young people saw it happen to their, their new exciting leader. They didn't know. They didn't know that the state could do this. Yes. They didn't know so, one of the parties could do this. Yes. And speaking of the state, um, here's another uh, piece from the Al Jazeera's first episode, uh, which shows, again, the BBC's role in propagating this idea and presenting Corbyn in a certain way. for a review of the disciplinary process into anti-Semitic complaints. There was a risk, he said, of muddling up political disputes with racism. How did you interpret that email from Mr. Milne? The same way that all staff in Labour's head office did, which is that this was the leader's office requesting to be uh, involved directly in the disciplinary process. Our investigation finds that communications director, Seamus Milne, is specifically asked for his view by Emily Oldno, an executive director who oversees the disputes team. Milne is also referring to a very specific case. James Schneider worked alongside Milne and has the full email that Matthews referred to in the Panorama program. It reads, this member is a Jewish activist, the son of a Holocaust survivor. If we're more than very occasionally using disciplinary action against Jewish members for anti-Semitism, something's going wrong and we're muddling up political disputes with racism. Quite apart from this specific case, I think going forward, we need to review where and how we're drawing the line if we're going to have clear and defensible processes. So how this is used is just the red bit. So right. So as you can see, yeah. the BBC it's presented just the two lines yeah. uh, and completely took the context of what was actually being said uh, deleted it and just presented it in a particular way. Um, that's the BBC, the monopoly, the yeah. state monopoly, um, broadcasting that to everyone who watches it, which is essentially the whole country. Um, yeah. If, yeah. You, if you didn't know it was BBC, you'd think that it had been edited by somebody in the Labour Parliamentary Party. The fact that this is from a news source that is allegedly independent of two of the main political parties. Hmm. But it's surely state propaganda at that point. That It's not even... That's steps beyond journalistic sort of dishonesty. Yes. They've literally edited and stuck things together to portray them in a completely incorrect fashion. Yeah. It's blatant. Absolutely. 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 So I'll, I'll get into the next one then for you, Chris, um, uh, since I've already you know picked these, I'll add your comments. <laughs> um, so next one is not a video. It's just a, a point, um, yeah. which... I think really can wrap us up for the first episode as in the discussion on the first episode. Um, yeah, this other thing is the National Executive Committee of the Labour Party does then adopt 
a new definition of anti-Semitism, which matches with the IHRA uh, definition of anti-Semitism. And there was a lot of resistance in the party to this uh, definition because this definition says that uh, criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, which then makes Palestinians and Palestinian activists trying to fight for the rights of Palestinians, the right to return and the right for their own state, and them criticizing that state of Israel, which uh, you know does what it does to Palestinians, it makes their criticisms open to just be called anti-Semitism. So um, the party does adopt that definition. And then, you know, de facto, Corbyn is a pro-Palestinian leader. Uh, he now has to try and tread this line where he can't criticize Israel. Uh, yeah. What do you thought to that one, Chris? Yeah. So when you actually look through these, each point of this official definition that Labour have now, Corbyn did end up adopting this eventually, didn't he, under much pressure. And again, I think by doing so, it did more harm than good. It is all. I'm an anti-Semite by this definition on quite a few different points. Um, it's almost, if you care about the sort of Palestinian struggle, it's impossible to not be an anti-Semite anti by this definition. Uh, the last point here I just thought was interesting because I feel Israel is guilty of this. Holding Jews collectively responsible for the actions of the state of Israel. How are you not guilty of that if you class yourself as the Jewish state, the home of all Jews? Mm -hmm. This is literally what Netanyahu would say to people by saying, Jews belong here, all Jews are citizens of Israel. Isn't he guilty of that last point under <laughs> that definition? If you go right. to be petty no, about I it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can see some logic there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In terms of, of this one also, it's just important to remind ourselves that there obviously is something called anti-Semitism and they do show the examples of anti-Semitism that were brought up and we should be mindful of these. So, you know, when you're talking about people that are obsessed with talking about the Rothschilds and that there's an Illuminati uh, controlling everything with a secret banking cabal, I mean, obviously, under these are anti-Semitic tropes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a particular phrasing of this kind of stuff that that makes it into mix. So we, yes, when you start talking about that, that's what the anti-Semitism that they were talking about. Um, you know, that there's a, a cabal of bankers, uh, you know, conspiring the Illuminati and the Rothschilds and this kind of stuff um, is the anti-Semitism that they were usually trying to target. That the Jews control everything. That the Jews control media. This was the anti-Semitism that. Uh, is 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 that is a real anti-Semitic um, thing, uh, and yeah. that's where that's the issue. So there were, of course, we have to mention this that there were, and probably still is, an issue with anti-Semitism in the party, um, but that but it was not Corbyn on a bigger scale than under any other party. Well, yeah, and particularly that Corbyn was not doing it. Corbyn was yeah. uh, driving. So this 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 leak does show that Corbyn actually accelerated investigations. The accusation he made against him was that he was uh, slowing them down and then trying to brush them under the carpet for his personal friends, which is not true, actually. Uh, no. In the leaks, they show that, in fact, he accelerated them because he wanted them to be, um, because they thought they were important. They needed to be dealt with quickly and, and sharply uh, and not rushed, but actually brought to the front because they were a priority um, and, and not by, and by no means uh, brushing them under the rug. Um, yeah, so... That was uh, quite an important point uh, to make for the first episode. So, yeah, um, 
on the second one, the second one is called the purge. Uh, I'm just jump ahead to what's called the chicken coup. Okay, so this yes. is a very interesting one, the chicken coup. Um, give me one second. So I think this sort of subject, this uh, segment is quite interesting because it just shows uh, it's another example of this uh, centralized uh, group of bureaucrats, how they managed to exercise uh, their power on smaller branch on particular branches. Uh, how when you've got an M or you've got supporting you as the MP, but all the local members disagree. How do you deal with that yeah. in a way that makes you look like the majority opinion? And this sort of shows that how they did it. Meeting. Our MP, Angela Eagle, had been very supportive of, of uh, Jeremy in the meetings where she would come along to constituency meetings and give a report about what had been going on. According to Runswick, the meeting ends without incident. A week later, a prominent opponent to Corbyn claims that Eagle, who is openly lesbian, is the victim of abuse. I got a phone call saying that there was a television program where Tessa Jowell was saying that Angela had been subject to homophobic uh, abuse at the meeting. I mean, I talked to um, Angela about her meeting. She faced homophobic abuse at that meeting. Angela wasn't at the meeting, but the inference was that she was. She wasn't. Activists and members of parliament and their staff are facing uh, day in, day out, harassment and, in some cases, intimidation. I rang other people who were at the meeting. It was just a complete shock. We didn't know anything about it. No one heard this, you know. The sort of people we are, oh, you don't use language like that. There was no homophobia or intimidation at the meeting. It's a very small room, so it would be very easy to hear what was being said by other people. The national media sees on the story. There was articles and television interviews saying that there'd been people shouting that Angela was a dyke, that um, there was homophobic gestures made, and repeated homophobic comments. Then over the days and weeks to follow... Right, Chris, thoughts on that one? It's, it's just amazing, there's their ability to make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just another stick to beat him with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also, like they said, it didn't happen. It, it didn't yeah. even happen. So, you know, like, usually... Your elected voice is the one who's going saying that. Like, how do you fight that? Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, that's also concerning because if they can just come up with something and it gets broadcasted by even, you know, The Guardian even published it, which is a very pro-Corbyn uh, paper at the time, at least. Um, they published it, all sorts of papers published it. There's no truth at all. So how do you fight, you know, people and an organization and tactics where they won't even rely on any inch of the truth or anything that even happened? They could just come up with a, yeah. a controversy like that uh, out of from nowhere. Yeah. Um, that's and it's scary. Heavy tackle. Because it just shows that the way these sort of stories can get out and the way you can use them, all you've got to do is make an accusation and tell social media. 
that would be spread and retweeted and passed around so many times. By the time you've woke, even woken up and checked social media and like been accused of the worst things, that nobody nobody cares to fact check at the beginning. The damage is done. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and there's an expression which is used a lot in this series, which many people use all the time. A lie can get round the world before the truth has even had time to put its pants on. Um, yes. You know, this is very true when it comes to this incident, as well as uh, lots of other stuff, uh, controversies and whatnot. Um, yeah. yeah. So you, this great, is the second episode. It's a great point with um, the, the silly articles that they wrote about Jeremy Corbyn, is everybody remembers the silly articles, but what they don't realize is 99% of the time, a few weeks afterwards, the son will have been ordered by court to write an apology to Jeremy Corbyn, which is a tiny little column like this. Nobody remembers that that was forced to happen because nobody care, sticks around for the apology. They they care for the, the right. story in the first place. Right. You can say what right. you want and exactly. apologize afterwards. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The redaction is always small. Exactly. The redaction is always on page five or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, this next one, this episode, The Purge, uh, Chris, it also then talks about momentum and the militant tendency, which you've already uh, discussed, the 80s yeah. and how it was this entryist group that tried to take over the Labour Party and push it left, and it was defeated, and all their tactics were um, and how to deal with them were passed around, and um, that became very much the obsession of the right side of the Labour Party, that they must always be ready to fight a new yes. form of the militant tendency, which I think they weren't you know, very far with in terms of fighting Corbyn, who actually wasn't even that militant. Um, no. The next thing, though, is to talk about um, this party. I'm going to play it from, from episode two. Uh, yeah, here we go. Party members are suspended for homophobic behaviour. But Matthews keeps the constituency party suspended for over a year. He emails Old No. I have every sympathy for the fact that Angela is still in a difficult situation as they are properly organised in her constituency. Matthews also recognises that Wallacey's membership supports Corbyn and not Angela Eagle. My worry is that based on track record, no matter how much time we give Angela to organize, so little work will go into it that we'll end up getting asked to extend it further and further. So we have no democracy. If you have an inner core of six, eight or ten people nationally with their tentacles spreading out the various regions, saying who can be a candidate, saying who can be a member, then you control the body politic of one of the major parties in this country. And I find that is undemocratic. Basically, it's a coup by a group of people to take over one of the major political parties in Britain. Pretty damning, right? I mean, and he's absolutely damning. right. He's absolutely right. That you can have an elected member in this constituency. You can think, okay, well, we have this party and we're doing this stuff and we're taking part in democracy. But... The people at the centre don't like him. They find some bizarre scandal, in this case being a homophobic uh, incident, an accusation of a homophobic incident, which never happened. And then they are able to suspend that, either the member or the branch, and cut them off, basically, and stop them taking part and contributing towards the um, the political process, the body politic, as he calls it. Absolutely yeah. true. 
absolutely true. Um, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Sometimes I find it interesting just to watch the people saying it and watch them come to that realization of the organization that they're actually in. It reminds me of the Rosa Luxemburg quote saying, those who don't move don't feel the chains. When they've right. been in this party that they've never questioned before, they've always just blindly assumed that this is the uh, the political wing of the labor movement and we're a socialist movement and believed what the party slogan was. Um, but then as soon as yeah. Progressive comes along with that, think, oh, we're a left-wing party, everyone will love this. And so why is the party itself trying to stop it? And yes. for people who have never been part of the Labour Party, who have always saw this, the party as that, it's quite refreshing just to watch them. Well, you've just figured it out live on TV. Well, <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be too harsh to these guys, you know, sort of like no. yesterday going like, we told you so. <laughs> we told you so. <laughs> but, uh, but I, yeah, they are sadly. It's good for us to see and relearn this lesson and, and have fresh examples because obviously yeah. it can seem a bit like boilerplate when people that critique the Lever Party go, well, if you read back to 1927 and, and, and if you look at Clement Attlee and all those things are true yeah. and all things are correct, you know, Clement Attlee defending imperialism and the Malaya emergency and the plays, the role that it does. Those things are all true, but they can feel like boilerplate. Uh, yeah. If, you know, if we keep saying them for decades, which they will continue to be in, but have also been in, that's a bit repetitive. So, yes, this is a nice, fresh uh, example of showing what this really is. Um, so, the next piece is a similar uh, vein, but it's so much uh, actually more important. So, this is talking about the Brighton conference. So, that constituency there that you just saw where they accused uh, the member of homophobia and then kicked them out, that was in Liverpool. So a similar thing, actually worse thing, happens in Brighton. And I will play that now. Decided we would run a left slate, which we did. We went into that meeting open, honest, transparent, to make speeches. And when we were elected, we were very pleased. We all had 65% of the vote. Two in three people attending it. A record turnout, a record majority. Had won. Fantastic. But actually, in retrospect, we went into that meeting like lambs to the slaughter. We had no idea of the level of corruption and conspiracy and lies and abuse that would follow as a consequence of a democratic election within Brighton. Then I got a call. It was about 10.30, I think, that night. I was just outside the theatre. It was a call from someone in Jeremy Corbyn's office, someone I knew. And she said... I thought she was ringing to congratulate me as I got texts and phone calls. But no, she rang me and said, yes, we've, we've got to do something about the spitting. We've got to be able to rebut the spitting. I said, what? What spitting? The following day, Morgan sends a complaint to Labour's regional office. Venue staff were allegedly spat at. 
others were verbally intimidated, our organiser was assaulted and abused. I've no hesitation in saying that this is a hostile takeover of the party. These fake accusations were shooting around the world before truth gets its boots on. It took me 48 hours to piece together what anybody could have pieced together. And that is, lies had been told. They'd been told repeatedly. Over two or three days with repeated opportunities, they lied. They lied, lied, and lied again. I took 78 statements, 23,000 words, named people who attended, and every single person said there was nothing wrong. When I got the CCTV footage proving there was no spitting, the allegations disappeared. Despite having no evidence that spitting or aggression took place, the files show that Labour's legal unit is intent on overturning the victory of the pro-Corbyn faction. So there you have it. More thoughts on that one, Chris? There's just no limit to, to, to what they'll grab. Mm. It's like mm. they find out that the left of the parties had a meeting. It's like, right, was anything, any littering, anything. <laughs> Any yeah. reason to yeah. try and discredit them? Grab the smallest yeah. thing. It's amazing the, the lengths that we'll go to, and it just became so normalised. Most people, like what they did to individual members, the way they got rid of them, this wholesale purge of the left in such a mm. a scary but obvious way for people mm. who aren't paying attention to just see Starman, don't know about the inner politics of the Labour Party and where Starman mm. sort of sits in relation to the progressives. They don't realise that uh, earlier on where you said that this is, we're not tinfoil hats, this isn't a conspiracy theory. and it is, This is yeah. conspiracy non-fiction. This is the, how it actually happens when you've got these small minority of bureaucrats who are really like exposed now, but plotting and scheming behind the scenes this is yeah. real life conspiracy the definition of it yeah. absolutely absolutely and this is not a small branch you talk about brighton it's one of the big um, labor often has their conference there this is not a, a sort of town in the middle of nowhere you're talking about a, a big town a very important political town that a very has left -wing a town. In politics. yeah 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 it's you know lots of students and whatnot but yeah so uh, they're doing it right there in the open um on a very important piece of political ground. Uh, and again, yeah. yes, coming up, they were spitting. Uh, they were spit what? No, it was rubbish. Uh, and still, the party still there, the legal team pursues to overturn the result. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And an important thing to also say is that not only a purge of um, Jeremy Corbyn and left-wing uh, candidates and, and supporters and, and people in the party, also uh, of just... Um, uh, Muslim a Muslim woman in this uh, in this uh, in the party and then in this documentary she was also purged because of specifically because of her um, you know Palestinian stance um, you know she may not have had left wing politics and whatnot that was just enough yeah. that it was a very important issue for them to kick her out because of that um, yeah so not just left wing candidates not just left wing and Jeremy Corbyn supporters yeah and um, some of the some of the expulsions don't even make sense. But the amount of Jewish activists who would who are Jews 
but kicked out the Labour Party yeah. on grounds of anti-Semitism because the disciplinary rule was just being read in black and white, even when it was pointed mm. out that it doesn't really make any sense when we're doing this. People like Jackie Walker, who was uh, high up in, in Momentum, Corbyn's sort of support group, yeah. she was kicked yeah. out the party by anti-Semitism. She, she's a black yeah. Jewish woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. It doesn't make sense Absolutely. at all. Absolutely. And then it felt yeah, like Corbyn, they just went went mad with it. As soon as they kicked, now obviously they've kicked out Corbyn from the party, under Starmer. Yes. Um, but sacking people from the party, like uh, Ken Loach, uh, Ken Roach, sorry, who's one of the UK's best left-wing filmmakers. If anyone's seen things like I, Daniel Blakely, uh, Kez, the film about the Spanish Civil War, London Freedom, he did that, didn't he, which was Quite a good film, if I remember, remember it. Yeah. Uh, kicked out of the party on grounds of anti-Semitism. It, it was just a whole stale purge over the past yeah. two years, Absolutely. really, under Starmer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, so the reasoning just... of it as well, the reasoning behind it is because they're portraying him as that safe centre of uh, set of centralist hands that isn't going to do what Corbyn did or... He is the new being groomed as the new sort of Tony Blair, very business friendly, safe set of hands for sort of British imperialism to carry on. He's not going to threaten yeah. anything. He's not going to support the, these uh, striking workers. He's not even going to commit that's to nationalisation of industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously that's the economic side of it. Yes, the the, the business interests that would rather have Keir uh, Starmer than, than Jeremy Corbyn. That's the other yeah. side to it too. That that there's obviously different factions on the right uh, who hate Corbyn for different reasons and pushed him out for different reasons. And then that also where we, where the media comes in. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's elements of the media which don't really care about uh, the Israeli stuff or the Palestinian stuff. They care more about yes, like you said, the economics, the nationalisation, yeah. uh, unionize, pushing unions and, and trying to advance the cause of unions and, and pay. Of course, that's where those tabloid stories come into it because you've got. If you don't like him because of the the Zionist stuff, or you don't like him because of the socialist, take your pick. They, they give you the new media give you so many yes. options. Like, yeah. oh, he's, yeah. he's uptight because he makes his own jam. <laughs> yes, yeah. My yeah. mum yeah. doesn't yeah. like him, and she can't give me a straight answer why she doesn't like him. She's just something about him, <laughs> and yeah. that's that's what they've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, a smear campaign, uh, a, a smear yeah. campaign with very well formed smear campaign with different elements and different facets absolutely so before we jump up so i've got another bit here just to talk about obviously how the media normalized this level of anything goes when it comes to corbyn hmm. there's an article here uh sorry, i'm just gonna yeah so there's an article here uh, from a quote from a british army general and when I read this, I thought this is going to be massive. The fact that this has been said by a general of the UK, like surely nobody's going to ever stop talking about the fact that the British Army general said this, and it just didn't. It just wasn't a big deal at all. I thought this is a scary sort of circumstance where the British Army can say things like this. Just have a look at it. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll read this for the podcast, folks. So um, we won't stand for it. Army top brass warn there will be a mutiny if Jeremy Corbyn becomes prime minister. So a serving general predicts mass resignations in the military, I assume, if Labour wins the next election. He said the arm, army would be forced to take direct action against Mr. Corbyn 
Labour leader has publicly called for abolition of armed forces and trident. However, he faces a shadow cabinet, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so this is a general at the time. And this is from the yeah. Daily Mail, so who reported this, yeah, yeah. And so for any of our viewers who happen to reside on land instead of the sea, a mutiny is what a coup is called when it's at sea. So what he's actually saying is there'll be a coup. But right. that's okay for that to be said by a British general. I, this this isn't a third world banana republic threatening to take over an, an elected uh, elected president. This is yeah. what's meant to be a stable country where yeah. a, a general can threaten to the media, the mainstream media at that, that the army will rebel against a Corbyn-led government. That's yeah. insane that that was allowed to be said. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, this is this is what's been very interesting about this whole Corbyn affair is that the media have not uh, put out the stuff that's defending him and are very quick to jump on the stuff that attacks him and stuff that undermines him. So obviously Daily Mail readers are very pro-military. So for them to hear that a general doesn't like Jeremy Corbyn, then they'd be like, well, we better, you know, uh, we follow our boys, we follow our lads. Yeah. And, the, you know, the general saying that he's not a good person. So, yeah, he probably isn't, you know, sort of. It's very much within the, that sort of readership's uh, thinking. You know, if you support yeah. the troops and the troops are saying bad, well, then well, you must be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, okay, so I, I suppose it's a decision for yourself, Chris, if you want to carry on with this one, or should we make this into a, a two-parter, three-parter? Um, I'm, really got... I'm happy to move on if, you, if, if you're happy. Okay, let's carry on. Let's carry on. Yeah, it's fine. So we've gotten to the crisis. We've gotten to the purge. Uh, we've talked about the Brighton situation. So, yeah, apparently in Brighton also, this is where uh, anti-Semitism was first used uh, against Corbyn. So Jeremy Corbyn supporters were first testing ground. Uh, yeah, it was a testing ground. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and they also talk then about another series that Al Jazeera ran on, which was how the Israeli intelligence services... Um, operate within the UK and make things difficult for pro-Palestinian members of parliament in the UK. Um, in fact, so I'm not going to play this clip, but I'll just tell you what happened. So the investigation that they did run, Al Jazeera, was so successful that they actually mad managed to get an Israeli diplomat. I say diplomat um, because Boris Johnson had to make an address in parliament where he said that uh, agent has been kicked out. So it wasn't a diplomat. He was clearly- They did say his cover had been blown. <laughs> Yeah, his cover had been blown, and uh, but Boris Johnson said, "Yeah, he's been kicked out." Because I'll play yeah. what he says. Uh, he says, "Where is he? We go thirty-eight, twelve. Give me a moment." One second. So it's interesting because obviously the British government said that um, he's, he's not a diplomat. He says in his own words, works for the embassy. So well, what he does then, the definition that of that sense. would be a spy. He's an Israeli spy at that point, isn't he? Right. I think that's that's important that, yeah, he wasn't actually a diplomat. He was, he was a spy. I mean, Boris Johnson says he's an agent. So I'll just, I'll just play this quick clip here, which I think does show also what the guys... ...have been well and truly blown. The undercover operation also shows how a former employee at the Israeli embassy becomes leader of the Jewish labor movement. Um, hi guys, so I've been introduced. I'm Ella, I am Jerland's barbecue in chief. 
Um, as new director, she probably hired someone political who actually knows you know, what they're doing. Before that, I was at the embassy working with Shai. Shai is the name of the disgraced Israeli operative. Ella Rose discusses methods she favours to deal with rivals within the party. Jackie Walker is a pro-Corbyn activist who supports civil rights for Palestinians. Yeah, sorry, so the clip is not there where Shai, the operative, talks and he says basically, oh, if you could give me a list. So he was caught in a restaurant saying, if you could give me a list of, uh, you know, um, pro-Palestinian members of parliament and, uh, and I can tell you which ones you need to get rid of and something, something to that effect where he basically said, give me a list and I'll give you a list and we can talk about who to get rid of and who we should be dealing with and who should not be a uh, member of parliament perhaps. Um, yes, and I've yeah, got to be yeah, yeah. 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 That man here. Pardon? Uh, this one here labeled... Yeah, you've got it. So this is part of that same um, expose where basically it was an undercover journalist that infiltrated their group and was this uh, this spy shy didn't realize that everything that he was saying was being filmed. Um, okay, it was pretty damning. Yeah, let's take a look. By now, our undercover reporter had become a trusted confidant of the Israeli embassy. senior political officer but suddenly he wants a private word it appears that something has changed when i was drunk or whatever i introduced you like smoking with young elephants actually it's not an official position yet shy had earlier introduced our undercover reporter as the new chairman of the young lfi it was an idea. It's an idea that I cannot implement because I am not a young uh, Labour friend of Israel or young British guy. Yeah. It's not relevant to me at all. I am an official. I can give you an idea and I can help you with everything, but I'm not relevant to you at all. Just, you know, I'm a tool for you to help you if you want to do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you decided to get the idea. So you... You don't coordinate too much with them all. I'm coordinating a lot of things with them, but I'm not their boss. My position is that if you need help um, with, you know, to connect to the groups, to bring it to places, I can do that. But you cannot be affiliated with me and you cannot, like, uh, uh, use me or, or as someone that said something. Sure. Yeah. It's not relevant. I'm not relevant to anything. Can't quote me. In the embassy. Do you want me to carry on, Chris, or is that, is that enough? No, that's, 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 it's amazing just that that was so obviously clandestine. It's, it's amazing. I'm just a mysterious benefactor. I will come, I will teach you how to do it, I will put you in touch with the groups that you should for us be, but don't tell anybody I was here. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. So people always make the joke about diplomats. You're like, oh, you work for the embassy, do you? Oh, yes, you're, you're a diplomat, are you? This is a, the perfect example of, of when, you know, someone who says they're a diplomat and is a spy, this is them really showing the spy side and, and, and being actually doing quite a bad job about it. Because, a really I mean, amateurish spy. I mean, really shoddy. 
So you, know, you, um, you have an idea, you, your idea, you, your idea. I can you, you came up with it. I just helped you. <laughs> you came up with the idea. Uh, if you want some help with that, yeah, sure. I can organize stuff for your idea. Um, I do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, th this idea, you know, that the one side of the one faction, the pro-Israel faction of the Labour Party, that they're not uh, agents of Israel, and they're not, uh, they don't have a, there's no Israeli connection, there's nothing going on there. The Israeli government doesn't get yeah. itself involved at all. It's rubbish, absolute rubbish. I mean, it's also incorrect to say that they're all controlled by Israel. That's not true. No. Uh, it's also important to point out what this guy is and what he was doing. This was basically an established program within the Labour Party of no. almost like a course. Like they, t they take you on these uh, sort of cla classes out. They take you to Israel to give you a guided tour to show you exactly. So to mould your opinion. So when you come yeah. back, you're now placed in the organisations that they wanted you to be in, being an out, um, outspoken vocalist for Labour Friends of Israel, to be propaganda effectively for the Israeli embassy in London. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Just because he's gone, like Boris Johnson said, oh, this spy has been caught, he's been booted out. Mm -hmm. We've been replaced quite quickly. And you see evidence of this quite a lot. The BBC does it quite a lot whenever there's a killing of um, Israeli soldiers shoots militants who whilst they're in hospital later on the bbc first off will write the article and then you see the invisible hand of the israeli embassy ringing them up saying no you need to change this headline into something more ambiguous like you can say mm -hmm. palestinians dead but don't necessarily write it in a way that sounds like they were died because we shot them just they turned up and they we turned up and they died and that, you can see that editing sort of control in, in the way the headlines are changed after the, the initial posting which is always quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got a few more of this uh, this episode. So the the purge to talk about one or two more things, but it's only a minor point. It's the it's the doxing. So uh, this was yeah. How, yeah, it's actually a lesson uh, in terms of how doxing. We always talk about doxing as being something that activists do. That you know, sort of people that are trying to make changes of you know people get doxed because they said something racist or. Um, they'd made a mistake yeah. or something like that. Uh, this is a silly tweet six years this ago. Is, yeah, this, right. This is this is doxing being used by is a political tool by but by you know party machinery by the elite. Um, yeah. So this is a one here, which fits in with the rest. Oh, one second. So I've got to try and find that now. Fifty nine. moment sorry accused of anti-semitism i'm at home with my family and i start seeing these things appearing on my phone about me being a vile anti-semite and completely disgraceful and these vile horrendous allegations are being made against me I am not an anti-Semite. I absolutely detest that um, allegation. It is completely and utterly untruthful. I'm an anti-racist. I'm proud to be an anti-racist. Stanger increases the intimidation. 
my workplace was telephoned by Luke Stanger. And uh, the reception took a message and they said they wanted to speak. Because there was a dossier on me. And I, I thought, what the hell is going on here? I didn't respond. My stepdad was the owner of the firm at the time, and he didn't respond either. A few days later, we received a, another phone call from Jonathan Hoffman. Jonathan Hoffman is a pro-Israel activist and an advisor to the campaigning group Labour Against Anti-Semitism. So there he is again, old John, John Hoffman, the very yeah. nice man. Um, but yeah, just that individual there, the uh, gentleman who was doxxed, who had his work phone and people tweeting about him and people saying, are you happy having this anti-Semite work at this company? What do you have to say about this man's record? That kind of stuff. He also had uh, death threats and um, all sorts of horrible uh, stuff said yeah. about his mother, his phone. And he, he's traumatized, completely traumatized the guy. Um, and his father, who then also died, and he says that this contributed to the hastening of his father's death. Um, but the, the lesson here is that doxing and that kind of activity uh, is not just something, you know, it's, it's something that can be used. It's a tool of, sure. um, you know, people with power, people, anyone can actually do that. Uh, it's not always something that is done uh, for good. Uh, usually we think, oh, it's a Nazi losing their job or it's someone, a bigot losing their job. Not necessarily. Um, yeah, it can happen to anybody, yeah. and, you, and you never know who's the one who started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, the problem with this sort of anonymous rumor, rumor mill, where you never know who said this first and why it's been said. Everything's said for a, like you, when you get like progressive voices taken down because somebody found uh, an inappropriate joke they made on Twitter back in two thousand and ten when they were twenty, and it's like. Who had the motive to go back that far to find this in the first place? To... Yeah, like it, the, yeah, yeah. It's not just sort of, it's, it's not to help in any sort of self-criticism to help them get become a better <laughs> candidate. It's someone done it yeah. maliciously to destroy that person. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, Chris, I think that since we have a whole nother episode to discuss, and yeah. we've got two episodes, I should say, two episodes to discuss, and they're both got some bangers in them and we've got uh we've got stuff about gosh we should take a look here there's so many things uh comments made by the chief political correspondent of daily telegraph his sort of summary of this stuff to talk about the hierarchy of racism that they have within the party how anti-semitism is top and anti-black and anti-muslim stuff is second or third or fourth um, yeah there's loads of things to discuss so I would recommend that we actually have a two-parter on this and our second episode we can continue with this uh, if you're happy with that. Yeah, and also I, I feel like uh, we've got a lot to talk about with, sort of, with the Labour Party, how it's had this sort of uh, corrective movement by the Labour right wing to yeah. where it's going now. It's It's got its purges in full swing and it's sort of yeah. its future for the foreseeable future of the Labour Party. Uh, so I think this this idea of this uh, segment of a controlled left should be something we can sort of spin out into a few episodes. We've got some interesting figures overseas that I know we want to talk about, people like uh, Bernie Sanders. I'm sure there's many others similar that we'll want to discuss. So, yeah, I, I can yeah. see us coming back to the subject quite a lot, to be honest. 
yeah so definitely so um uh, if you do, if you are watching this, so there will be a second part to this next week. We'll be going into the remaining parts of the leak, what they discuss, and then, as Chris just said, branching out into uh, what this means for the future Labour, as well as how this relates to other parties and individuals such as Bernie Sanders and who knows some other ones. But um, yeah, Chris, any final statements that you had a quote for us, perhaps? Uh, so here, so in my sort of research preparing this, I found a quote. Very, very old quote, but very relevant one. This is from The State of Revolution by Lenin. So, take any parliamentary country, from America to Switzerland, from France to England, Norway and so forth. In these countries, the real business of the state is, to perform, is performed behind the scenes and is carried out by departments, chancelleries and general staff. Parliament itself is given up to talk for special purposes, for the purpose of fooling the common people. And I think we've just witnessed that. In the past hour and so wonderful great quote chris and yes we'll catch you next week for part two of this and going into more of that so thank you very much for watching please like share subscribe and we'll catch you next week where you can hear the rest of this thank you very much see you all next week and that is it for this episode of the marxist think tank catch us every other week here on soundcloud to allow us for our reporting and our content to remain independent, please consider donating to our Patreon and becoming a voting member in the link down below in the description. If you have a news tip or would like to talk to us, please email admin at marxistthinktank.org. Our editor is Sean Sanchez. News writer and producer is Reggie Truman. And I'm Oscar Bastille. Thank you for listening.